Hey y'all, AB3 here. Before we get started with today's show, I just want to give you a couple of updates on the greatest hunting app that there is right now. Of course, I'm talking about the Onyx Hunt app. I have it. I don't go into the woods without it. Onyx Hunt, man, that application saved me so many times. I want to tell you about the wind and weather. We all know that plays a big part in what we do, how we decide to hunt, where we decide to hunt. And when you have the Onyx Hunt application, you can see hour by hour forecasts for wind speed and direction. Check it out for the next eight days, any spot that you hunt on your map up to the next eight days. That means you can plan, plan ahead, kind of like how they said in the AT movie, plan ahead, amigo. You can do that when you got the Onyx Hunt app. Weather updates coming from 100,000 weather stations, refreshed every 15 minutes. Large intuitive visuals make it easier for hunters to identify weather patterns, make those in moment decisions, switch it up, kill those big deer, kill those big elk, get after those ducks and geese, making quick on the spot decisions, man, to help you be successful. Trim tracks, man. If you got the trim tracks, you can easily get to and from your stand. Sometimes you forget to turn your trim tracker off. Now with the trim tracks, you can trim those extra steps, get it down to a precise direct route in and out of your hunt area. Onyx Hunt, know where you stand. Make sure if you don't have it for your Android or your iPhone, it is available. You can also use it on your browser. Web maps are available. Whatever you choose to use, just make sure you're using Onyx Hunt. From Stone Mountain, Georgia, this is the Bryant Land Show, hosted by Proud Gamecock and South Carolinian AB3. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bryant Land Show. Thank you for taking the time to come in, making the download every Monday. First step into another 100 episodes. Last week, we dropped episode 100 of the Bryant Land Show this week episode 101 so we are moving along continuing to bring you our podcast like i said getting started with the next step of hopefully another 100 episodes we're going to do that today with a great guest max fennel max is a triathlete he is also a hunter so we have a great conversation getting into the things that you have to do to be a competitive, successful triathlete. And then we're going to talk a little bit of hunting because, of course, this is a hunting podcast. So happy to have Max on, happy to have a conversation with him. But before I get in to my conversation or share my conversation with Max with y'all, a couple things I want to hit. I absolutely love when we get feedback. 
whether it is in the form of Instagram comments, messages, emails, Facebook uh, interaction, whatever the case may be. I absolutely love it when you guys respond, when you guys hit us up, let us know what you're thinking, let us know how you feel about the podcast. And over the course of last week, I received some correspondence via my inbox on uh, Instagram at official Bryant land. Make sure you are following us if you're not doing so already. A fella named Ebon who goes by the name Invincible Negro on Instagram at Invincible Negro sent me a very nice message. We're going to share it with y'all. Hey man, good morning. I just wanted to reach out to you to let you know I appreciate your show and showcasing black hunters out of the southeast. One of the biggest questions I have, and I've been wasting away about the last three weeks trying to figure out where to get it, is where did you get the theme song and introduction track on your podcast? It sounds familiar to a song by the game. Ebon, man, appreciate you listening to the podcast. I'm glad you enjoy the intro music. Uh, I got it from a service online, and then I had the guy do a voiceover, but the track title, it's funny because I tried to look it look it up for you. I didn't save the name of the track title because basically it's public domain music, so it's, you know, anybody can find it. It was in, you know, the services library. First time I heard it, I knew that... It was going to be the track for the uh, for the new podcast when I did uh, when I redid the open. The funny thing about it, though, the only reason that that song or that uh, instrumental is used is because I couldn't find the original song and original instrumental that I used before I changed the name and changed the open of the podcast. So that's how. I ended up with uh, the beat that I got. Now, I'm glad you enjoy it. I love it. I've had a few people tell me that they absolutely love, you know, the introduction, love the intro music, love the outro music. So, man, I appreciate it. Thank you again for taking the time to send in a message, man. Keep listening to our podcast, and please make sure you share with folks whenever you can. Now, that was not... The only message that I received on last week, a fella named Christian sent me a message, C underscore Melhaldo, at C underscore Melhaldo, on the old Instagram. Hey, big fan of your channel and podcast. I strongly believe hunting and the outdoors is an area where we can bridge racial divides in this country christian i appreciate it brother thank you again for taking the time to send in a message thank you for listening to our to our podcast you know i always tell people i started this podcast because i wanted to tell stories wanted to shed light on folks and on stories that otherwise would remain under the radar and when i hear from folks like you and Ebon, it just lets us know 
that our work is not going in vain um, as far as bridging racial divides. If we can do that, great. I'm glad. I'm definitely not shunning away from that. But our mission continues to be to bring diversity to the outdoors, put a light on interesting stories, interesting people. And in certain cases, if I have to just make it really, really plain and put it in your face. So once again, thank you to Ebon and Christian for taking the time, sending in feedback to the Bryant Land Show. I encourage you all to either hit us up on Instagram. That's the best way, at official Bryant Land. Drop us, you know, whatever your thoughts are. People are not shy. You can still send in, or you can still go on Apple. Make sure you hit that five-star button and make sure, you know, you leave a review. Even, you know what, if you're not really feeling us, if you're not really feeling what we're doing, if you don't, you know, you don't care too much for the podcast or you don't care with something that I say. I mean, I had somebody, you know, take the time to let me know that he really didn't appreciate something I said on the podcast. And, you know, if you go back and you listen to that podcast, only thing I said was is I appreciate you taking the time to write a comment. I'm just mad because you dropped my five-star rating because you gave me less than five stars. So, I mean, hey. You don't have to agree with everything I say. I mean, it's great if you do. It makes things go a lot smoother. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I just want people to listen, come get the knowledge that I'm bringing them. And like I say, if you don't agree or if you've got a different opinion or whatever, respectfully, keyword, respectfully, you know, voice that and let us know, man. Not a problem. So now that I got that out the way, Thank you. Continue to send in your comments. Like I said, your messages. I love them. I love reading them. Appreciate the feedback. Now that we got that out the way, let's get on with today's show. My guest today, Max Fennell, also can be found at Bushcraft American on Instagram. Likes to say, escape the city and discover your backyard. This brother will spin as much time as possible out in the woods, on the trails. Really enjoyed catching up with him. He is a triathlete. That is something that I cannot even fathom for myself. So it is amazing and great to talk to someone who has accomplished that, who has the skills to do that, and then also take those skills and transfer them into enjoying the outdoors and the hunting world. So without further ado, I'm going to let you in my phone conversation with Max Fennell right here on the Bryantland show. Bryantland. So I played baseball in high school. Uh, I wish I could have played football, basketball, all of that stuff. But baseball is my first love. The point that I am making is I never had a shot at being a triathlete. Fortunately for me, I found a triathlete who also loves to hunt, does all kind of different 
type to hunt and does a little bit of hunting with an air gun. That's a new one, so I can't wait to find out more about that. Welcome, Max Fennell, to the Bryantland Show, the Bushcraft American. Max, thank you for joining me, bro. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Man, so let's start with the triathlete. How, like, like, how do you wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to be a badass at three sports at one time. Like, is that a family thing? Is that in your blood? Like, what was your inspiration for that, man? Take me through that. Yeah, so for me, I would consider myself like an accidental triathlete. So I was always a elite soccer player. I ran track. I wrestled. I did lacrosse a little bit. And out of college, I was following my path of trying to become a professional soccer player. And next thing you know, during like, a, you know, one of those pickup soccer games, I sprained my MCL. I was working at a, Yeah, I sprained my MCL. So, you know, pretty much like ended my opportunity of pursuing becoming a professional soccer player. Like I was getting ready to go and do like tryouts and stuff. And then... Next thing you know, I sprained my MCL, and I was also working part-time at a coffee shop, and a customer came in, and he asked me, he was like, what happened? Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. I sprained my, my knee, and maybe I'll go try and do these triathlons and do an Ironman. And he was like, dude, slow down. Like, you don't want to just, like, jump in and do an Ironman. And at this time, I'm – yeah, exactly. You know, it's a long distance. And at this time, I'm living in Philadelphia – and so he's just like, you know, we've got the Philadelphia Triathlon. It's a short race. There's there's a sprint. You can do that. And he lent me his old bike. I did my first triathlon. I ended up placing seventh in the race. And then I got hooked, and I stuck with it ever since. Wow. Yeah. Now, so what are your what are your three sports? Well, so growing up, I was a soccer player, and now for triathlon, how it works is it's swim, bike, run. So it's any given distance over the swim, the biking, and running. Um, But I'm also, I also recently, I started getting into obstacle course racing as well. Nice. And then the obstacles, obviously, that's all, uh, is it a combination of on foot or anything else, or is it all on foot? Obstacle course racing is like Spartan racing or like mud runs. I don't know if you've ever seen that type of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, I started getting into that, and, you know, there's professional obstacle course racing. There's like obstacle course worlds, and I'm just like your standard person that always loves being outside. And I also, since I have an endurance background, I'm not someone that's necessarily going to want to hike trails. I'd much rather run 10 miles of trail than hike 10 miles of trails, you know. So you just get out, because right before we started recording, I know um, you were saying that you were looking forward to getting outside uh, with the dog. And, like, I noticed on, like, a lot of your profiles, like on a lot of your Instagrams and stuff like that, you know, you like, I love being outside. Yes. Where does that come from? Is, has that always been with you as a kid? Like, did your did your parents instill that in you? Well, what I've been reflecting on ever since I've gotten into hunting is my first memory, and really the 
the the only memory I have of my grandfather is when I was a little kid, my mom dropped me off at my grandparents' house. And the next thing you know, my grandfather took me and his dogs. He had hunting dogs. My grandfather was a big-time hunter. And I just remember walking through the woods, and he's just like, Max, now just watch what the dog does. Watch what the dog does. And I remember, like, I was, like, looking at the rocks, and that's all I have. And ever since just, like, you know, as a little kid from playing, like, Saturday soccer to, you know, when I started getting serious and training for – uh, like becoming a professional soccer player, it's just like I've always been drawn to the outdoors, and I've always drew on that memory of my grandfather, like introducing me to the outdoors with his hunting dogs. Wow, that was was this a like a bird hunt, like upland bird hunting, or what? Like what kind of? He he always had hounds, and what my uncle told me is that he loved to hunt rabbits. I believe. Mm, yep. Yeah. So. I think they're okay. rabbit dogs. Uh, grandpa uh, from California or Philadelphia? My we originally wow. came from from the south. My family, like we had huge family farm uh, that was in our family for generations, and then my grandfather decided that uh, he actually worked uh, was an assistant to George Washington Carver. And then George Washington Carver convinced my grandfather to go to seminary school. My grandfather then met my grandmother, who was a nurse, and they both moved up to the Philadelphia area where um, my grandfather went to seminary. And then my grandfather started his own church. So the church that he started is still in the Philadelphia area to this day. Man, that is some awesome piece of history just to carry, you know, all that with you, started church and everything, man. That's that is phenomenal. You you got uh any uh seminary uh ambitions in uh in your life coming up? <laughs> My mom used to always think so when I was younger. <laughs> but you know, what what it is is I our family has always just been a family of like an in-service family like and it's probably just from like my grandfather probably just started you know we're just the type, like my mom goes on mission trips and you know when she can she travels and i recently ran for city council and my brother's in politics so you know we're just the type of family that's just like always civically engaged i see that man you you got a lot going on bro you some triathlete you're running for a uh, council, hunting, man. You you keeping yourself busy all the time, man, nonstop. <laughs> so with everything, and I know I'm I'm kind of bouncing around here. There's really no, you know, formal like format or anything like that, man. We're just having a conversation, but of course, I'm curious with all of that going on. When do you find time to hunt? Well, so this is actually my first year hunting, and the story is crazy because, you know, when you're a triathlete, you're literally training like 20 hours a week on top Mm -hmm. of it, like, you know, if you have a job and you also got to, you know, to supplement your income. And then what happened is when the pandemic hit, it all the endurance races stopped like everything else, right? And, you know, we kept training, but, like, I had a little bit more time on my hands, and I was just like, you know, like, I've always wanted to do, like, just build my own shelter. So, like, I'm just going to go off in, like, the woods on some public land and, like, build a shelter off of just, like, sticks on the ground. 
And then next thing you know, I'm walking through Big Five and I'm seeing like air rifles. And then it's Thanksgiving and I get this air rifle for a hundred bucks. I'm like, wait a minute, this stuff's kind of cool. And no joke, <laughs> no joke. The, on Bushcraft American, the air rifle you see, Umarex Air Guns sent that to me. They're like, hey man, we like your stuff. We're gonna send you an air gun. I'm like, oh, for real? And like. I didn't understand, like, the whole air gun world. I always just thought it was, like, BB guns. So then they sent me this 25 caliber air gun that you can legitimately hunt with. I originally had, like, a 177. And then I send uh, a message to my uncle and be like, you know, what do you think if I started hunting? And he's like, I think it's a very good idea, right? And the next thing you know, I get on the phone and we're talking about hunting and he's telling me about, like, my grandfather. And... So when they sent me that air gun, I just got in the tail end of spring turkey season last year. And obviously, there's no better way to get into hunting than experience that thrill of turkey hunting. Yeah. But what yeah. that also did was it also opened me up to, like, wait a minute, I'm surrounded by public land. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if you, like... In Philadelphia, I wouldn't even know where to hunt. Where I live right now, like, I can drive an hour and there's legal land for you to just disappear in and go hunt, right? Like, in California, if you want to be a hunter, it's just, it's much easier than I think in the majority of places. And so next thing you know, I'm like, holy crap, I could just drive an hour. There's all these acres. And then when, like, I tell my girlfriend, remember, where um, we start camping, and then uh, this one camping experience, uh, she goes, I heard a turkey. And, you know, it's like 7 o'clock, and, you know, turkeys start getting louder in the evening. Literally, yeah. like, where, where we're camping, I had planned on going looking for another place. And um, we parked, and I was like, okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning and and uh, go, look for, uh, go look for these turkeys right by our campsite. Literally, I hear an elk in the distance wakes me up. I'm like, that's an elk. She's like, I know I heard it. And I hear a gobble. <laughs> this is like four or five o'clock in the morning. And like, and we're camping. I, I'm like, I'm going to go. She's like, okay, you go. <laughs> and since I was rushing and like, I was just so thrown off because I thought I was going to like, you know, wake up, make some coffee and prep. Next thing you know, I'm like hearing this turkey. I'm like rushing to get everything together at the crack of dawn. And I get up to the top of the ridge. It's literally like, it was literally like a 200-meter, like, hike up this ridge, very short. I start calling in this turkey. I probably get within 100. And the problem is, it's like it had gotten later. So I'd probably been up there for a few hours. I had a little bit of water, and I had to come back down because I was just like, crap, I can't stay up here because I freaking pass out. She's not going to know where I'm at. <clears throat> so that's just so all that stuff has happened in such a short period of time that like, this is my now second time experience uh, turkey season. But since I know where they are, it's just like, I literally cram all the work and stuff I need to do in the beginning of the week, just so I can get out on the weekend. So I just move everything around because I'm just like, <laughs> so in crazy, crazy obsessed of that opportunity of when I like with a hundred yards, the turkey was talking, we were talking to each other. My heart was pounding the whole entire time. And then it's just like the survivalist in me, it's just like, 
Uh, you gotta go because yeah, like, you know, you just can't do that to yourself. Yeah, Turkey Turkey hunting is, I mean, like you said, you you sitting out there, you hear the elk, the elk bugles, and then the turkeys gobble. And I dare say the the uh, the elk bugle probably shot the turkey yep. into gobbling. And exactly. I mean, it's just it, it's phenomenal. Like you know, I love deer hunting. I I love to deer hunt. Especially, you know, love to bow hunt deer. It's well documented. I talk about it all the time on this podcast. You know, I bow hunt deer. Um, but one of my, I would probably say my greatest hunting accomplishment is killing a turkey with a bow. Like calling yeah. it in yeah. and having it come literally seven yards in front of my blind. Wow. And then sticking them, you know, pass through and then watching them flip up in the air and then take off and then eventually pile up under a cedar tree. I mean, yeah. it's a memory that I will take with me or that will, I should say, will stay with me yeah. for forever. So, I mean, even at the distance that you're talking about, man, just hearing those turkeys gobble and working them and having that communication, man, there's nothing like it. I know. It's, and it's also just, I think it's a testament to your hunting abilities, and then it's just that connection of, like, that's real hunting, right? Like, you, it's this wild animal that can feed you, that you're legitimately putting effort into stalking, and, you know, sometimes they get the best of you, and that's, you know, I think that the athlete in me is what then kicks in. It's just like, ah, oh, you know, I, I got to win, right? Right, so. right. The, com- the the competition. So you were you able um, – you were able to take a turkey with, it, with the air gun? Not yet, you know, so it's, you know, public land. I only have access to public land. And, you know, for me, I'm also – since it's my first year, I, I – I'm, you know, developing what my, you know, what type of hunter I'm going to be in. And I truly enjoy public land hunting. I know where they are. You know, I, I hear them. It's just like these things, they're, they're going to make you work for it. They're, they're hard. Um, yeah. And yeah. Just this re- in just this recent trip, uh, I found another spot of where they're at that, I know another gentleman had talked about, but he didn't tell me where it was. And then I ran into these other hunters that said they had talked to the warden and said they had saw them there. And then uh, I actually found with someone I think kind of like put a flag up of where the spot was. And we were sitting there and I was just like, I was, t- I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, Jen, this is the spot. This is it. I know it is. <laughs> so. <laughs> is it- you're the the public land that you hunt out there in, in Cali is it uh can you tell like is it crowded like is it real like even when you're out turkey hunting where there are a lot of folks out there turkeys yeah so I have quite a few experiences so with deer season so I got my first deer thankfully in my first year um, I thought I saw that right so yeah that was with the air gun right no 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 we can't hunt with air guns that was with the bow that was with my recurve bow. Oh, that's but, right. We we did talk about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna hold that, put a placeholder 
right there to come back with the recurve. But go yeah. ahead, please continue. So, so you got the deer. Yeah, so opening day is deer season. I had found this spot and I thought like and like I had literally shown up there the before and like there was just a few people and I was like, All right, like an hour drive if if there's no traffic it's less not that far, right? And so like I saw some people the night before and saw that they were camping out and we all talked, chatted, everything's cool. And I'm under the impression like all right, I'm just gonna go back and just see like these few guys here and that's gonna be it. No joke, man. I'm like driving in, it's probably like five o'clock. I'm smiling on my face thinking no one's there. <laughs> not even not even close to cooling in and on I'm just like, Why do I see all those like trucks over there? Like that's a lot of trucks. On the left, I'm like, there's truck after truck after truck lined up on the road. I'm like, are those tractor trailers or are those, like, hunting trucks? Man, it was like, <laughs> I clearly didn't understand how this worked. I'm, like, the last one pulling into the parking lot. The parking lot was full. I thought there was going to be, like, four guys. There was nowhere to park. So that was deer season. I had no idea it was going to be like that, right? But wow. turkey season... So far for fall, like, I've shown up and there's been, like, a few guys. Like, the first, when I went to my spot, like, it's pretty sort of, like, a well-known spot. People that know, know. And, like, the guy that was – the car that was first there in the parking lot, the first guy there heard a gun go off or like, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning. I was in the wrong spot, and it was literally right behind me. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go move to that, see if I can run to the hunter and see what's up. And he was just like – He's like, yeah, they're right here, right off the trail. Got them in the morning. He's like, I'm surprised they didn't see you. I'm like, because I went the other way. I'm like, oh, man. Because <laughs> I thought they were somewhere else. And he was just like, nah, they're right here. And I'm like, ah. So the guy that morning, the first one in, you know, got them, and they ran up the hill, and I went up the hill just to go see. And so it hasn't been crowded. And then recently this new spot, uh, the, the I'll call it the back entrance way that I discovered Mm -hmm. uh it's the gorgeous it's, uh the other way it's a four mile 90 minute hike i literally found this other entrance where it's a 2.5 mile hour hike through a valley lots of game in there lots of bear tracks um mm -hmm. but it takes me right up the back way into the back country uh much more easier and then it puts me right at the spot that i want to be at Okay. Yeah, it taking hunt in public land, man. It, it takes to me, and I've I've never done it. I've been fortunate every time that I've hunted turkeys, it's been on private land. Um, but I just feel like you almost have to have nerves of steel because you're talking about going out on public land with a bunch of different people, strangers. And just with guns going off and people, you know, not, you know, not everybody is as, you know, fundamentally sound or has, you know, good, not necessarily training, but just good ethics and just know, you know, how to be a good sportsman, be a good hunter. And yeah. you turn, turn them loose with a loaded shotgun and there's folks out there try, all trying to kill couple of turkeys is oof you like i say you my hat's off to folks that public land turkey hunt because i almost feel like you got to have nerves of steel in order to do it well we have that but we also have illegal grow operations 
that like I've even stumbled upon where I'm just like I'm like yo we gotta get out of here like it's literally like next thing you know I'm like what is that hose doing in the creek I'm like ah okay let's go you know and like I even read those stories when I was doing research on certain areas and that's the problem with like someone like me because like I'm not afraid to go deep in the bush like that's where I go like the pictures you see like I'm not on a path or a trail like I I like I park my car on the side of the road and I navigate through the bush and I find a good location and what ends up happening is you know other things are back there too um, and the thing is, like, I'm not really worried so much about people as I am about wor- worried about running up on a bear. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, if you got a 25 caliber air rifle and you run up on a bear, like, that sucks. And, like, my dog, like, is just, like, he's just crazy. So, like, my dog would want to go after it. Like, so. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, let's go back to the recurve because I, I always say to people, one, to shoot a recurve takes a tremendous amount of skill. I'm not saying that a compound bow doesn't take skill, but the memory, the muscle memory and the ease of once you put it down to be able to go back and pick it back up is pretty easy, especially compared to, um, to the – to the recurve, but recurve, man, you almost have to shoot that thing almost every day. Like you got to stay with it, got to develop the technique, got to develop the muscle memory. I mean, it, it is traditionally to me very comparable to, you know, hitting a baseball almost. Like you yeah. just got to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. What drew you to the recurve and Take me through your deer hunt with the recurve. Yeah. So I think what drew me to the recurve was, one, just the entry of it, right? Like, everything I was looking at was, like, 400. And I was like, man, I'm really, like, this is, like, the beginning of deer season. I'm like, I'm really not trying to invest a significant amount of money into this. Mm -hmm. And, like, it just, like, not really work out or whatever, right? Like, I wasn't even really thinking about archery at the time. I was just like, all right, let me just get this so I can at least experience deer season. And um, then I, I'm i looking at prices of recurve bows, and I'm like, okay, you know, that makes sense. But I, did, I actually didn't realize, like, what I got that I thought was budget-friendly was, like, you know, like a decent, like, recurve bow. And it's 60 pounds, so I didn't even realize that was on the higher end. I was just thinking about, like, okay, if I'm ever going to want to be able to hunt elk later or hunt – like bear or something i wanted to make sure that i got something that like could just take care of it all so i started off with a 60 pound bow and i quickly found out that like like you you, you hit the nail on the head like it's it's a workout and it and the bow actually beats you up <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah yeah you know, and I recently, I took a break and, you know, I just started shooting my bow again. And I was just like, wow, I didn't realize how much endurance I lost. So where I live, I have access to a 28 uh, target range that is over like a 2.5 mile course over that you um, have to hike through the mountains, like, like on, on a ridge sort of. And like I would, you know, carry seven arrows and I would 
do the entire range. And like now, like I just went back, I could only like shoot three and I had to move on because it's just like your fingers get beat up, right? Like you, you're like your shooting fingers have to be strong to pull the bow and be able to like pluck the string, right? Or, or else it just like, it just, it just chews up the ends of your fingers. But the, the getting my first deer was an interesting story because I didn't realize how mentally tough hunting deer would be and how it kind of would just kind of like beat you up and how like you kind of get really down when you're walking out, <laughs> out, out of the woods. Like I didn't, I don't know why I, for some reason I don't experience that with like turkey because maybe it's because I, I for me personally, I do more sitting than I do walking. But with deer season, it was like, I was like hiking like every single time the entire day and eating out there and like just like 12 hour days out there, just like not seeing anything and not mm-hmm. understand what's going on. And, and also like, I don't have like a mentor. So I'm like watching YouTube and just reading stuff, trying to figure out like how to hunt because I feel as though like the hunting shows don't really teach you anything. Right. They just mm-hmm. show the success. No one's telling me how to hunt deer right. on public land until like it now started to click and I started to read the terrain and especially in California all the good hunting spots are really really like there's a pull off but if you don't recognize it's the right pull off you're just always going to drive by it and once mm-hmm. I started recognizing those pull offs and then getting out of my car and seeing what's going on and then following the right path. And I'm like, Oh, like literally I found a tree that has like a rake in like deer scent and like all this deer stuff that like when you hike up, you go to that tree first, then you go off into the field. And I'm like, I like it all starts to click. And then finally one day, uh, two miles off of the trailhead, uh, I see these deer and like two bucks with each other up over a ridge and I'm like, all right, I'm going to see if I can sneak up behind them and, you know, get, become successful. And, uh, I hiking up, it's, you know, over cover brush and they don't see me. I see it poke its head up and I'm, you know, it's weird. So it's like, we have like, um, false flats and then there like be like another, like, a little bit ways to go so they are kind of in like this valley so i'm like coming up like this flat ridge line and like they're not going to see me and i don't even think it was windy that day and i literally just poke up the ridge and this deer is 30 yards away from me take a shot it hits it i'm not sure if it hits my heart's like you know my heart's <laughs> pumping, and I also I also got to give a little backstory. So I, I had two other opportunities, and so this is what this is why I was so bummed. I had two other like missed opportunities of seeing two bucks, and one was like I literally experienced buck fever. So before I got my first buck, I experienced buck fever, and I told my uncle about it. I said, you know, I saw this buck and I pulled it. I couldn't let go. And you're just like, Max, you're a professional athlete. You race uh, up against Olympians. Just breathe, right? So <laughs> le- leading up to this experience, like there was like a, that sense of just like, am I going to even be able to release? Like I couldn't understand why my brain wasn't like telling my hand to, to release during that experience. 
So, you know, I come up that ridge, I draw back, I see it, it actually runs across in front of me, it stops, I release, I hit it, goes right through, get the deer, it probably runs like 20 or 30 yards. I was thinking that it was going to, like, you know, I was going to be out there for hours and, you know, it's, you know, it's going to take, a, you know, forever. But something just told me, like, it happened quick. The other deer had ran off because this mm-hmm. one ran. I went, found the arrow. The arrow was completely covered in blood. So I was like, I knew I hit it. And I just started, like, looking around, looking for blood, uh, followed the blood trail. And then, like, literally it was just 20, 30 yards, like, off into the brush on the ground. And then, you know, that's how, how I got it. Wow. Well, con- congratulations, first of Thank you. Uh, so, 60 pounds, you said, is what you pull it on your recurve? Yeah, 60 pounds, though. Man. So, wow. That's, <laughs> that's I know, it's amazing. a workout like, every time. I, I, well, yeah, because... And it's like I explained, I, I try to explain to people that don't know anything about bows. You know, you see on a, on a compound bow, you know, it's let off. And it's like, you know, whatever, 70% let off, let off, 85% let off, whatever the let off is. And I, I tell people, it's like, okay, like I draw, so my draw is 62. So I draw 62 pounds. Wow. But, you know, through the cycle, it, with the let off, it basically ends up about 15, 20 pounds by the time I hit the back wall. Yeah. When you draw a recurve, yep. ain't no let off. That is yeah. 60 true pounds. And like you said, it beats the living daylights out of you doing yeah. it over and over, over and over, and then to be able, you know, you talk about buck fever, but then to be able to quell that, draw, and hit a live animal in the moment. And, I mean, and I saw that buck on your page, and, I mean, that ain't no baby. That's a nice buck. So I can see how, you know, just to put all that together, man, I don't think people understand unless you do it. I I don't think people appreciate uh, sometimes just like what goes into being a bow hunter, man. I I don't think, you know, folks get it because I think, you know, a few people do, especially those of us that hunt and hunt regularly because, you know, think about it. You know, we've had people say to me, it's like, all right, you bow hunt like, well, when gun season starts, do you pick up a rifle? No, yeah. I can't shoot a rifle. I've never exactly. shot a rifle. Yeah. Like, I've only bow hunted. Season opens in September, the second week of September here in Georgia. It closes like the second or third week in January, um, depending on where you live, the end of January. And I bow hunt every time out each time. So not only are you making it – you bow hunting gear already is hard but then you're quote unquote handicapping yourself by doing doing it with a bow i would dare say you're handicapping yourself even more doing it with a con uh with a recurve man exactly it's freaking impressive (laughs) yeah exactly and like i said like i was just surprised 
when like if no one's ever experienced buck fever right it's just like it's just something that you it takes a a little bit for you to wrap your head around what what just kind of happened and then you know obviously being an athlete like the psychological aspect of like am i going to be able to bounce back and like what's going to happen like i you know at that next experience which is you know why it's you know when you get your first deer why it's so big um especially you know hunting on public land uh yeah you yeah. know it's it's like it's just it and the other thing is it's just like for me like what I, i'm not sure if i really sh- show or shared is that like i was probably hunting like it took like 70 days like every day like i was just driving out there and just like i was just out there all the time and it's just like just grueling and especially for california because we start in july so it's hot right like right (laughs) i don't think people also understand that aspect and i think you know maybe i'm not conveying that but for us like the hikes are in like it are in like borderline desert conditions right it's oftentimes it's very little shade and so you're just like completely drenched in sweat so you really got to have everything kind of come together at the right time as well as just hopefully you're not exhausted when you get to where you're going to get to well you know they say you know out there especially in arizona and places like that and i mean definitely like in places in california it's a dry heat so you know the, the the dry heat is supposedly better than the humidity that we have here down south i would just like to categorically call bullshit because yeah. i've been in arizona yeah i have been in california when it's hot hot is hot okay it, 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 what they should say instead of saying dry heat they say they should really to accurately describe it oven heat like if you ever open up a oven and you felt that heat like that's how it yeah. is like it's not dry it's like it's still strong enough to just like bake you through Exactly. Hot is hot is friggin' hot. I don't care exactly. what it is. Like you say, you guys start in July. They start in August in South Carolina. They start. We started in uh, September in Georgia, and it's still you know eighty, you know ninety. I mean, you're talking about eighty-five, ninety at like six o'clock because you know yeah. the sun doesn't set till maybe like eight or so by that time. Six o'clock, it's still eighty, ninety degrees, and you're in the yeah. sand. You're dealing with mosquitoes. You got the snakes that are still out. Like, yeah, it, I know. It, we got <laughs> rattlers. Yeah, that's what I said. You got you got rattlers. I mean, it, it is a lot of things that can go wrong, which makes it so much better when it does go right. And yeah. then you said something else too that I find interesting because I'm dealing with this a little bit myself right now, man, when you go out and you set yourself, you set your mind to go deer hunting and whether it's you're hiking miles like you are, or if you, you know, you got a stand or you're using a climber or whatever the case is, you go up the tree and you get there and you sit and you sit and you sit and you don't see anything, or if you see, like, really, like, small deer or spikes or whatever, like, deer hunting is a mental grind, and and I agree with you. I don't think people talk about it 
as much because, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's a recreational activity, and it's just like you go deer hunting, and if you don't see anything, then, you know, it is what it is. Now, I love people when they say, like, oh, I just enjoy sitting in the woods and looking at God's creation. And I don't knock anybody for that. That is, <laughs> it, it is true. Yeah. But, buddy, when you climb a tree or hike a whole bunch of miles, you want to see deer, you want to exactly. see nice deer, and at the end of the day, you want to kill one. Like, that is just the, the bottom line. And I think, you know, people, I don't know if it's just taboo or, it's like, if the popular thing is to say, you know, I'm 20 feet closer to God or whatever, you know, the cliches are, but at the end of the day, man, when you set your mind to go out to go deer hunting, you want to come back with something. And if you don't, it wears on you, especially when you talk about the length of a deer season and if you're going as regularly as you are. Yeah, and that's what I think about because I'm like, I think about that now. It's like, man, I feel like I got very lucky. And I'm like, I don't even know how next year is going to look. And thankfully, like out, you know, out turkey season, like I, like I'm seeing other areas of where I've always thought deer were and they're there. But it's mm-hmm. still like it's like it's a different type of grind, right? Like it's just especially when like if you know for us it's a month of archery only before it becomes general season. It's, you know, as soon as it becomes general season, the problem is is like I can sit on any ridge and spot bucks. Like I do that all day long. I see I like when I go out I see game every single time. So it's not, like for me it's not the issue of finding game. It's just getting close enough before they disappear, right? Mm-hmm. And the issue is in California, how the terrain is set up is that you can find the right spot and just pick off a deer. You know, like <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting down in the valley, like moving from tree to tree, and they're just sitting up on the ridge line and they're just sniping down into the valley. So it's like as soon as general season opens, it's like, you know, I remember one time I'm like, like I'm there and these other guys are, there with guns and they're like which way are you going i'm like man i'm going off that way because like i don't want a bullet coming at me so it's like you know that's what makes it tough with our terrain up here is that you know where i'm going to be stalking is where other people are going to be shooting into and that's all that you like you exclusively spot and stalk like no i I can't do the sitting thing. I I tried it, but, like, I I literally, you know, it's because it's also, like, I also still have to train, right? I still got to get a workout in so that, like, my fitness is there so that I can, you know, do racing and stuff. Mm -hmm. But just the – I feel like the heritage, I feel like I feel in my blood is, like, you know, like, I'm a hunter, man. Like, I – I get out there early in the morning before the sun rises. I take a look and see where all the game tracks are. And then I go find some tracks, and then I just go follow game tracks, and I just keep going. By 10 o'clock, I find somewhere to sit, sleep for an hour, and then backtrack on my way out. You know, sometimes I'm out by 3, sometimes I'm out by 5. just depends, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just I, – I, I just – I think that – with public land, it's it, if you're hunting with a rifle, then sure, um, you can do that. But for me, 
I think because there's just been so many times when I've been out on a training run and I run into to game that I just think that, like, if I walk 10 miles or if I cover te- 10 miles in a hunting trip, like, I'm more successful that way of just spotting animals. Yeah. No, that, 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 that makes sense. It's a, it's a little bit harder to do with our terrain here in the south, um, but I do – understand what you mean about like you know the sitting it can get very you add that uh to it you know you're sitting if you're not seeing anything or if you're not actively you know calling or rattling or doing you know something like just sitting there you know looking at instagram or facebook or whatever the case is trying to pass the time sometimes it comes back to bite you in the butt because you miss the animals when they come through or nothing comes through and you're just sitting there idly by and what, you know, just sitting there, what fun could that be sometimes? So I, I, I totally get it. It's just, but like you said, it's based on the, uh, the terrain that you're yeah, against. It, it's definitely the terrain. And if you go to either of my Instagram accounts, you'll, you'll see that even if it's a wooded area, um, it's just like you can always just find uh, a ridge to sit on. And I've actually found that on the wooded the wooded areas, you can actually see their tracks better. Mm, okay. okay. Just because it doesn't rain as much that, like, you can see what's fresh opposed to what's old. And then if there's, you know, if the rain comes through, that kind of, like, you know, resets everything, and then you just find the tracks. Um, but you'll just kind of see that for us, like it's not like marshy and thick. It's just like open fields and then there'll be like a patch of wilderness and trees. And then, you know, if you just know how to bushwhack your way through, you just move from tree to tree, you know, from ridgeline to trail and you just walk your way through. And then, you know, you'll just find hidden tracks. And for us, like deer, just everything's just like hiding underneath a tree and if you just find the right spot, you just wait and just wait for something to move, see where it's mm-hmm. moving, and I just and then I just race to get ahead of it or whatever, depending on you know what the wind direction is. Wow. What uh what kind? Now with your two questions, with your recurve one, no sights or anything like that, right? Yeah, no, none instinct, of that. Instinct, all shooting. instinct. Yep, all straight up, like as if you're throwing a baseball. Man, that, like I said, I, I, my hat's off to you guys that that can do that. I mean, I I, I need my gadgets. I need my rangefinder. I need I need <laughs> I need my pen. I need you know my mechanical broadhead, my release. Like I I, I need all of that, man. I I I shot a recurve a couple of times for the fun of it and yeah, just to kind of and just to kind of get you know into archery just like okay it's like yeah i think you know i think i can do this and so i took a class and i shot like a recurve and then after that i was just like all right point me to the compound bows and i always remember <laughs> like i'll never forget the guy that was teaching the class salty old fellow mm-hmm. it was just like Nobody wants to take the time to learn the skill. Everybody just wants to go and swing out of the deer and get these compound bows. Nobody knows what it means to be a true archer. And I was just like, 
Thank you. I, I appreciate you. I'm going to. I'm headed to Bass Pro to go get my compound. Spicy <laughs> <laughs> old fella, though. Yeah. What? Nah. What? What? Uh, what kind of broadhead did you use on on that? Are you a fixed? Uh, just, fixed yeah, just a guy? just a fixed hundred grain blade head has you know in three fifty shafts, so it's pretty sturdy, pretty pretty yeah. strong. Definitely, definitely. Like, and I know, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and since I didn't know, like I was always just going off of like, all right, when I go to the archery range, like the penetrations that I pull on the shot from 30 yards, like I mean, like my arrows borderline going halfway through. So, and it was a pass through too, so that you know that kind of confirmed like, all right, this is a good setup. Oh yeah, no, it, it's true. 60 pounds with a 350 arrow with a broad with a uh, with a fix. Excuse me, with a fixed blade. I mean, that, that's pretty much a tack driver. And yeah, you know what people don't realize is, and it's funny how you you talk about the TV shows and stuff. Like I'm not really down on the TV shows as much as some people are, mainly because mm-hmm. I professionally work in television. So it's like I okay. like I get it. I kind of under yeah. like I understand what they're trying to do. But I do always find it funny that a lot of the guys, you know, you see arrows that get stuck in shoulders or arrows that only get, like, so much penetration. And I'm just like, are you guys shooting, like, 40-pound compounds? Like, what are y'all doing? Because I've been fortunate, like, every deer that – I've killed except for one, and it's my first one. I've shot pastors, and you know, I, you know, I honestly think that you know, ninety percent of that is shot placement. The other ten yeah. percent is the setup that you're shooting. Yeah. Um, you know, if you you put a good shot on an animal. You know, you get both of those lungs, or you get you know that hard and 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 drive it through. Then you're doing pretty good. But you know, there's part of me that I'm just like cautious, like I don't want to be cocky because I've not yet killed the caliber of deer that some have. But I just look yeah. at some of those shots, and I'm just like, that's all. That's 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 all you got. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and I just and I and I think it's you know I would hope to start seeing a little bit more information and just seeing a little bit more content out there about hunting and I I just think that before getting in hunting somehow your view of this world is just like that it's borderline barbaric and then you get into it and you find out how many people are into archery and I just don't think that's conveyed and I don't think that there's enough teaching content out there of the entire process like like I had no way of confirming if my archery setup was proper you know what I mean I just kind of went off with just like basic research and be like all right I guess this is it right yeah so, and there there are some guys like you have to look for. Um, you know, I think like the hunting public, they do a good job with you know their podcast and their brand and what they do. I think it's all you know about hunting public land, kind of like mm-hmm. tips and stuff like that. Um, and then a couple other guys 
um, and gals, for that matter, that do really good uh, YouTube videos and stuff like that. It's just, you know, main mainstream, you know, your sportsmen, your, you know, your um, outdoor channels, your pursuits, yeah. you know, things like that. I mean, big deer is what drives revenue. You know, information is not <laughs> information is not what sells TV ads. Unfortunately, you know the latest, greatest, flashiest, you know, whatever, whatever. But I think if you go to like YouTube or the Carbon TVs, you know, stuff like that, we can get like a little bit more variety. I think there are folks putting out, you know, good information, good how-to information, but to to find that kind of stuff on your mainstream is is, is kind of hard, like I said, because, you know, those guys and, and folks, they're going for, for what sells and what drives ratings and what drives viewership and the things that drive that are ducks have falling out the sky and deer hitting the ground. So. Because, yeah, and for me, it's like, you know, also the other the other reason I got into this was, like, I wanted to start – knowing where my food was coming from and I wanted yeah. to start partaking in that process of get, like I don't eat red meat but like like having venison I was just like wow this is really good I mean, like, like, I was just, like, you know what I mean like I didn't I didn't know how I was going to really experience but I'm like man like that feeling of having your freezer stocked and I think that is also what I also enjoy about air guns because you know the the activist, you know, politician in me is like, you know, we have a food shortage going on right now. And I'm like, why are we not empowering people to figure out how to shoot some squirrels a little bit? Like, that's just yeah. my mindset because it's like, shoot, you go buy a $100 air rifle in a tin, it's just like we're under this mindset of, like, I have to go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. And, like, I, I literally see the difference in myself where it's like, you borderline are eating food like sugar, but when you have like wild game meat, like that's real food, right? Like yeah. real that's nourishment. It. And then when you have store-bought food, there's clearly a different taste. And it's yep. like with the food shortage we're going in, why are we not putting out the message of like, here's what you can do right now. Get yourself a hunting license. Here's how you can mix, you know, here's 10 different, 10 different recipes for rabbit. Here's 10 different recipes for squirrel because I guarantee some of you people are closer to public land than you think. And it's like, you know, I just think like, you know, there's nothing wrong with us supplementing our diet with a little bit of wild game meat, especially if you're dealing with, you know, a food situation. I totally I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, I got into hunting just, you know, as a hobby. It's something, you know, to do as I got older. But, you know, once you start, you know, killing animals on a regular and harvesting on a regular, I mean, you, it's real quick to develop a taste and a preference for, you know, wild turkey breast as opposed to your your turkey breast, you know, wild hog as opposed to, you know, uh, your Carolina pride bacon or whatever the case is, or your wild turkey as opposed to your butterball or whatnot. I mean, mm -hmm. your, your venison, you know, your 
you make the burgers and spaghetti and stuff shells and then you got the steaks and straps mm-hmm. and all kind of stuff like yeah. you you develop a taste and a preference for that um but then there's also on the flip side you know i i, I always feel like we as hunters and part of the hunting community we are our own worst enemy because what will we do we will go out or some of us will go out and scream about the numbers are down the numbers are down we got to get more people hunting we got to get more people hunting but then we will also turn around and say (laughs) don't be at my spot come out here because of a food shortage you should have thought about that before you before you started saving the trees and all that we we literally are. I know. I feel that. I feel that. I'm like, I feel like I'm like, hey, you guys want to go turkey hunting? And then it's just like, you kind of don't want anybody to go with you turkey hunting because they don't realize that. You don't like want to line the woods with, you know, more people. You know, like I said, we talk about the numbers going down. We got to bring more people in and teach them and learn them and blah, 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 blah. And then by the same token, it's like, yeah, no, stay out of the woods because we don't need more yahoos that don't know what they're doing. Like, duck hunters are the worst. Like, I I love railing on duck hunters because they are literally, like, the group of people that take themselves way too seriously. And I I love the duck hunt as much as anybody. I'm not that good at it, so I go with people that know what they're doing, and I love it. I enjoy it. But true hardcore duck hunters, (laughs) <laughs> just like on the most unhappiest people that I ever seen in hunting, because all they want to do is bitch about the Duck Dynasty generation and oh, Duck Dynasty ruined hunting, and who is racing to their spot, and and you're in my spot on public land, yeah. you're in my spot. Yeah. But you know, it it it's just funny to me. But I totally agree with you, like. You know, there's no reason why you shouldn't go get your license, learn, you know, pick up your weapon of choice, learn all about your weapon, and then go out there and, and get some meat, you know, for your family, some good wild game, you know, no antibiotics. You know, everybody always talking about no antibiotics, no preservatives, no steroids. I mean, yeah. it doesn't get any cleaner than, you know, a deer that was, you know, drinking out of a cold spring you know, 10 minutes before you put an arrow through both his lungs. Exactly. Not something that's in a pen somewhere its entire life. Like something that's like, like moments before it was just running free. And then next thing you know, it's, you know, providing and it's, you know, uh, and I think it's, you know, some people may see that as gruesome, but they don't understand. It's like, hey, I'm partaking and providing for myself and that's the most important thing is that self-reliance especially when we continue to find ourselves in a situation where there could be some type of you know lack of getting food so it's just like why not just develop the skills so that you know you can you know harvest your own meat so yeah no i don't i don't get it but you know the good thing about it, Max, is people like me and you, we 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 know what to do. We are kind of in the quote-unquote secret society, if you will. Yeah. So we have <laughs> we just have to continue to go for hours and get you know and get what we need, man. Exactly. What 
before I get you out of here, and I really appreciate your time, what do you have? What else is next? What else is going on with Max, whether it be the triathlete or the hunter? Uh, well, right now, finishing up turkey season, I think I got one more trip that I'll be heading out there before getting ready for a spring uh, I, I compete still as an obstacle course athlete. Uh, I also have a coffee company, so you know we're we're growing a coffee company out here, still cranking out orders. And then um, you know something you know something that's interesting that I really want to really want to get into is you know I really want to bring more awareness to air guns and air gun hunting. And I think one of those ways is I want to figure out how to merge the athlete in the air gun world and put on a type of cross biathlon uh mm. kind of like touching on like running gun and yeah. it's like and it's in for me like i i like we don't have snow but i'm just like man like i think a really dope sport would be running and then having to shoot some targets with an air gun not the air guns in biathlon i want to say i want to bring the barrier of entry very low and say like you know you can have a, a 22 or 25 PCP brake barrel, uh, 5k, 10k distance, and you know three different stations where you have to shoot targets. And I've been talking with my uh, triathlon coach about that, and I think that's something we're going to execute on is figure out a way to put on cross biathlon using air guns. Man, that that sounds pretty awesome. Have you seen? Or have you done, like, where, like, I've seen it, and I think it's an Olympic sport, or it could have been just something that was just on and I was passing through channels. Um, it's like you run and you hop over, like, these obstacles, um, and then you shoot targets, like archery. Like, you, like you're running, and then you stop and you shoot one target, and then you run again, and then you have to stop, make sure you get your good form, and then shoot, like, another target. Like, I could have swore I saw it in the Olympics, but, like I said, it could have well, been just something. They, yeah, I mean, they had biathlon, which is skiing and shooting. Um, mm. I think they practice uh, biathlon, like, running, like, in the dry season, but there's no, like, dedicated, like, hey, we're going to put up a cross biathlon race, and if you get first place, you win $5,000. Like, that's what mm -hmm. I want to do. Nice, nice, you know, man. because it's like you know, a lot of sports start off, you know, like CrossFit and them. A lot of them start off with real world experience, and a lot of people don't realize is that, like, if you are a spot and stalk hunter like myself, like the majority of times you're taking a shot, like, mm -hmm. you know, extremely exhausted and tired. So I want to touch on: can you run all out and then lower your heart rate, focus, take shots? And then run all out, do that repeatedly, and then you know win some money. Man, that is that's gonna be amazing. Look at you just breaking ground, man, breaking barriers. Where can folks follow your journey, man? You you got two awesome Instagram pages that I know about, but where where else can folks follow you and and get a feel of what you got going on? Yeah, so you can check out uh, Bushcraft American. That's my Instagram if you just want to see the outdoors, uh, everything about hunting, me talking about my hunting experience. Hopefully I'll be starting to get into teaching about wilderness survival and all of 
everything outdoors, all my knowledge, I'm going to start sharing that through Bushcraft. The Athlete Entrepreneur, you can find that at, at Max Fennell, uh, me posting all the athlete stuff about me. Man, Max, I really appreciate you taking the time, coming through on the show, man, bringing the knowledge. Like I said, triathlete, hunter, just mixing those worlds, man. Like I said, I really appreciate you coming through, dropping the knowledge. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. I truly appreciate it. Brightland. All right, man. One more time. Give it up for Max Fennell. Want to say thank you. I really appreciate him taking the time to come through. Bless us on the Brainland show. Had to get that podcast done. And I was glad he was able to accommodate me to get ahead and get it done. Before I get ready to get up on out of here, y'all, I just want to remind you of a couple things. The first and major thing being our website, BrightlandCountry.com. BrightlandCountry.com is the website where we have everything that you need Bryantland. 20% off right now if you put in the Bryantland code on our website. Go to the shop tab. Whatever you buy when you check out, put in the code Bryantland. Get 20% off. Get your Christmas gifts. Get your things. Get what you need for Christmas. Make sure you do that on our shop tab on our website, BryantlandCountry.com. We also have our past podcasts. We also have past videos. Like I said, anything and everything with the brand Bryantland is on our website, BryantlandCountry.com. Want to say thank you to our friends at Onyx Hunt. Know where you stand. I don't leave home without that app. They are a proud sponsor of our podcast. Thank you to the folks at Onyx Hunt. Also want to send a big shout out to the folks at Traeger Grills, Bryantland, and the brand Bryantland, the Bryantland Show. We are Traeger Grill ambassadors. I had a chance last week to finally put some backstrap on the Traeger Grill. Brother, sister, would I tell you that that backstrap came out absolutely delicious Man, go ahead out there, set up, get you some Traeger, get you a Traeger grill, and get your Traeger smoke going. Also, I want to say thank you to the folks over at Iron Setter Boots. We rocking Iron Setter Boots whenever we're out on our hunts. The L Trackers, the Vap Treks, we got them. We rock them. You should go get them too. Thank you to the folks at Irish Setter Boots. Man, twenty twenty. Thankfully, it's coming to an end. We don't know what the light at the end of the tunnel will bring. Hopefully, it's not a train. But we are winding up this year. Christmas is around the corner. Next week, I will give you some more gift ideas for the favorite hunter or huntress in your life. In the meantime, tell five people to tell five more people about our podcast, make sure five stars on Apple, review on Apple, and make sure you come back here next week for another episode of The Brian Land Show.